Hello there, listener. It's Ryan. I'm recording this secretly before Justin comes in. It's because we've started a new betting show and he isn't part of it, so I don't want him to get upset. It's me, a championship expert, and I'm joined by betting expert Jimmy the Punt. Every Thursday, we each give you three tips for the weekend's championship games. So search Second Tier Betting wherever you listen to your podcasts. And as always, please gamble responsibly. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Brian Dilks and I'm joined by the people panic buying for petrol to my people not panic buying for petrol. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Justin, you've panic brought for petrol. How do you feel? I didn't panic buy. I was running on fumes. I had nothing in my car. I was panicking in the sense that I may not get home. Was there a queue for the petrol station? There was a queue, but that's people panic buying. I was just buying. You're a sheep is what you're trying to say. Yeah. Joining us on the show today is Ben Rowley from the Sexy Stoke podcast, the YYY Files. Ben, have you panic brought for petrol? No, I have not. I still have half a tank because I actually planned. Uh, not for this, but but just, just yeah. You knew I, this was coming. <laughs> <laughs> the philosopher. The philosopher. No, it's nice to see that you've decided to sex up your podcast a little bit this week. Oh, fuck myself. <laughs> uh, also here is Omar Renane from That's Millwall podcast. Omar, have you panic brought for petrol? No, I actually got three quarters of a tank just to what up do uh, bench a little bit there. So I'm all good. <laughs> well done. Congratulations to you both. Welcome to the number one championship specific podcast. He's second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. We're going to talk about all the games from the past weekend in the championship. Talk about some of the news from the past few days. And then we'll finish off with a Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. So we'll start off by talking about Sexy Stoke, who won 2-0 against Hull. Two great goals by Mario Vrancic and Nick Powell. Uh, ben, how was the game? Um, it, to be honest, not very sexy on the whole. <laughs> um, yeah, Stoke were below par, I think, for, I'd say, 80% of the game. They were fine. You know, I don't think Hull... Uh, after we scored, I don't think Hull offered very much at all. And O'Neill said himself that we weren't under much threat. But I'd say up until Stoke scored the goal, which was relatively against the run of play, Hull looked the more likely. They really did. The thing that we have this season where we didn't last season is we, we have difference makers now, multiple difference makers in the team. So the goals yesterday were... A, a wonderful, wonderful move from Romain Soyuz flicking the ball over the defender in the midfield and then sl- sliding it through for Mario Vrancic, who finished it off beautifully. You know, dumbing two players. You wouldn't see that from a Stoke player last season. Um, and then Nick Powell's free kick was exactly what we conceded against Barnsley uh, about 10 days ago. And it that 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 is the difference in a team last season where we were so flat and so drab and difference makers were hard to come by that's the difference this season it really is it's it's nice that we do have these sexy players in the team and maybe you can't have too many of them you can never have enough sexy players uh, you mentioned mario vrancic there i wanted to ask you about him because he's looked really good since joining from norwich hasn't he? he's the sexiest of all the sexy players <laughs> in all senses of the word um he's he he's just been a breath of fresh air in the midfield i think last season where we had john over who's you know 
it must be about 46 now. And he was slow. He was methodical with his play. He knew how to win football matches, but not with us. Um, Joe Allen, who uh, is is essentially like a terrier chasing after a ball. Again, not the most incisive. Nick Powell was injured a lot last season. Sam Klukas knows where the back of the net is, but again, I wouldn't necessarily uh, relate him with with slicing through balls. Rancic already has four assists this season, plus he saw the own goal against Huddersfield, I believe, that comical own goal. He's the reason why we're doing so well, pretty much, in front of goal anyway. Yes, we've got a strong defence, but... Vrancic is a midfielder possibly we've not seen since someone like Steven Azanzi, that sort of player. Just, I'm not saying he's on quite that level of quality, but my God, he's just, like I say, he is the sexiest. Sexy Mario. Uh, well, this loss just cranks up the pressure on Grant McCann, doesn't it, with his side obviously not scoring. I mean, I know how much of an issue that's been for Hall this season. They've now lost 22 of their last 29 championship matches, Justin, and picked up just nine points from a possible 84. Is it time for a change? It's not promotion form, is it? Um, I think, yeah, Grant McCann's obviously had two two cracks at the championship and it's just not um, not going well. I know they were they were shackled a little bit in some with the transfer embargo, but I did think, I mean, there were players available, but it, the side needs experience in it. It needs leadership and that's something that it lacks at the moment. Um, going forwards... They, they, they can create chances because they've got a lot of quality going forwards, but putting chances away is, is an issue and it's always going to be an issue for teams coming up from League One. Um, and if you don't uh, adapt quickly, then this is what happens. But they haven't looked anywhere near as good as they did on the opening day. And that was that was the last win. And yeah, pressure is 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 cranking. And I think a time for change is, is needed, definitely. Mm-hmm. Ben, sexy Stoke. Ticking over just nicely, aren't they? They're sat fifth. And right now, you've got to say, looking a good bet for the playoffs. Yeah, but you've you've covered Stoke for the last three years, right? And you've seen what's happened. Um, <laughs> we, we are consistently inconsistent. Um, maybe this season is the time for change. Perhaps what we have different now, apart from difference makers, as I say, is squad depth. Like, we've got players like Jalen injured, Tyrese Campbell injured. Um, Harry Suter limped off yesterday. Uh, Leo Ostergaard didn't play yesterday. Joe Bursic was on the bench. And yet we have this starting 11 that was still so good. Tommy Smith, who set up so many goals this season, again, suspended. And we, I'd, again, Hull weren't great, as you just picked up on there. But we didn't even notice. And maybe this is the time where, before, where we were bringing on players a little bit of disrespect, Sam Bokes and Lee Gregory, we're now able to bring on people like Abdal Seema and Sam Surridge, who are just as good, if not better, than the players we have on the field at the time. Mm. Well, impossibly the most predictable game of the weekend. Forest v Millwall ended in a one-all draw. Uh, Omar, did either team look like they were going to win this game? I'm going to beg ourselves up just a little bit. I think we was... We, I'm, I'm trying to be positive after four back-to-back draws, so please bear with me, guys, all right? It's it's um, it's um a hard watch sometimes when you've got Gary out in charge as manager, I have to admit, and I think Stoke and Derby fans will have to relate to this, right? I mean, it's, it's yeah. I mean, we look likely to win on Saturday. I think we probably should have won it all but for Max Lowe's bizarre cross goal. Um, and aside from that, it would have been a 1-0 win and pretty comfortable, I felt like. Um, but, yeah, it's just one of those pills we have to swallow. Again, being a Millwall fan. Yeah, as you mentioned, this result takes the Lions up to six draws this season from nine games. Uh, Omar, have Millwall got what it takes to finally break the championship draw record of 22 in a season? 
I think so. You know, we came close last year. I think we was close to 20 last year. So I tell you what, we'll give it a good run for our money. I think um, with our setup and how we play, we just kind of looked for ones and zeros quite often, to be honest with you. So I think we definitely got it in us and something to kind of look out for this season. <laughs> well, why, why does it keep happening? Because there must be some sort of explanation for a side consistently drawing as many games as Millwall do. I think when you've got Ben sitting there talking about Stoke saying difference makers, we've only got one difference maker, and that's Jed Wallace. And that is pretty much Mill in a kind of simple kind of format there. I think we set up quite defensively as well on the route. We play this 5-3-2 or 5-2-3 formation. We've got three central defenders, two wing backs that predominantly sit back a lot of the time as well. They do get forward, but then at times you have just like the isolate up front with the likes of Smith, basically, and then obviously trying to get players in and around him. But I think, you know, yesterday we didn't have even have Jed Wallace available and obviously he is our difference maker. Um, but yeah, I think it's just going forward has been our kind of, you know, our issue a lot. We've signed the phobie, he's got two goals, he's done all right, then he's got injured. Um, and this season, I think at time, one time or another, we've had about seven or eight injuries kind of in the last three or four weeks. So yeah, injuries are normally an excuse. Managers like to hide behind, but I think um, it's, it's a kind of split fan base at the minute, I have to admit. That's what I was going to ask you, because obviously, as you mentioned, we've got a Derby and Stoke fan here who are both very aware of what Rarit Ball is like, or should I say Drawit Ball. Uh, what are Millwall fans thinking with Drawit at the moment? Because Millwall just aren't really doing anything at the moment, are they? It's really uninspiring as well. I have to admit, like obviously, we had the whole lockdown situation, watching on iFollow, everyone's kind of like bored of it. And then, you know, we kind of felt it was a bit drab, don't get me wrong. But then when you go to the games and you see it in person, you're like, OK, it's even worse in person at times, I have to admit. like, <laughs> It's honestly so difficult. We started the season with QPR away. We went 1-0 up. Then they, we drew that 1-1. Dickie scores a goal from 30 yards out. Like, we didn't really get the break to come to us early on. Um, and then, you know, we've gone like to places like Cardiff and got turned over. But I think with the draws, it's... With Rowett, it's just, I think the fan base is really split on it at the moment. I, I've even said myself on our show just today when we recorded this morning, I think if you've got to 15 games and we've got less than 15 points, I think there will be a decision to be made by the board. Um, we're not normally a sacking club, but you know, I think the fans will quickly, like I'd say about 33% of them have turned at the moment, where it's just consistent ball, draw, draw, draw. But if that keeps happening for the next five, six games and we've got a favourable run, it's, it's only going to get worse, I feel like. Mm. Steve Cooper's first game as Forest boss, Justin. What can Forest fans take away from the first game in charge with Cooper? Um, not too much, I don't think. I think Millwall's obviously a difficult game anyway, isn't it? Because uh, as Omar pointed out, Gary Rowett will say his teams ought to be hard to beat rather than to be attacking. Um, but it was it was more of the same in certain uh, uh, areas of the pitch. Um, they, they were committing bodies forward. I think they had a chance in the first sort of uh, well, before Matt Smith scored, um, where Lewis Graben um, managed to hit the ball straight at Bierkowski. Um And they looked better at times, but it was still a little bit more of the same. But um, there, there's there's higher hopes for, for Forrest under Cooper, definitely. It's just whether or not he can get anything out of this group of players because managers have failed to do that for a long time. Ben and Omar, thank you for now. We'll come back to you both a little later on to play a little game we like to call Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. Meanwhile, me and Justin are going to go on a trip around the grounds and we'll kick things off with a spanking Blackburn 5, Cardiff 1, Ben Burris and Diaz with a hat-trick. We'll talk about Rovers in a sec because first we're going to talk Cardiff with Tom Phillips from the Cardiff podcast, View from the Ninian. Uh, Tom, this was pretty turgid, wasn't it? Yeah, I think turgid is a good way of putting it. It was absolutely woeful by the end of the game 
Um, we went one nil down, probably slightly unfortunate at that point, but we just seemed to capitulate. And you know, it seems to be a running theme at the moment that we just lack complete creativity. Um, we create nothing going forward, and where before we were solid defensively, yesterday we couldn't be further from the truth. So. Yes, a very, very worrying one for us at the moment because we haven't played well in weeks. Um, our fans are, are turning. Um, Mick seems to be completely out of ideas. We haven't got a plan B. And to, to be honest, it, it, it seems like it's going to be a very, very long season for us. Yeah, you say the fans are turning. From what I'm seeing on social media, it looks like the fans are already turned. How much pressure is he under at the moment? Yeah, he's under a huge, huge amount of pressure at the moment. Um you know, he started so well um, when he first came in. But towards the end of last season, we went from being in and around to the playoffs, you know, to, you know, comfortably missing out in the end. And we started this season well, results-wise. Um, you know, we lost to Bristol City, which ruined our unbeaten start of the season. We could have gone into the international break with a bit of momentum. But since then, we've been so, so poor. But Mick doesn't seem to have that kind of rapport with the fans that, you know, Warnock had before. And... It's showing, you know, little things like not going over to the away end after the game yesterday, after a defeat like that. It's just not going down well, you know. And when he's not showing that kind of bond with the fans, we're playing very, very boring football at the moment. And it's not boring and effective anymore. It's simply boring. Our only creative outlet, really, is Ryan Giles. And, you know, it's a positive that he's coming back into the team now. But outside of that, honestly, it, it's we are so bad to watch. And... Yeah, it seems like we can't take too much more of this because the fans are really, like you said, they've already turned, but it's only going to get nastier. Yeah, so how long do you think he's got left? You've got West Brom in midweek and then you've got a rejuvenated Reading the weekend after. Um, so what are we saying next international break? Oh, it's a frightening prospect having to face West Brom next. Uh, I, I dread to think what the score could be if we play like we did again yesterday. But uh, to be honest with you, we were very quick to give Mick, uh, you know, an extended contract um, when he started winning games last season. And I can't see the board kind of moving swiftly and getting rid of him. I think the pressure will keep mounting from the fans, but I can't see the club getting rid of him. Personally, you know, if we carry on playing like this, I think he'd have to go in a month or two's time. But I just can't see it happening. And a lot of that focus from the fans is towards the board as well. It seems like as a club, we lack kind of any sort of long-term planning you know if we got rid of Mick it just seems like we just replace it with someone like Houghton there's no kind of thought there's no kind of longevity to the plans that are being put in place we haven't got a certain brand of football you know from I think the club from top to bottom need a bit of a refresh because it's got a bit stagnant and stale but yeah West Brom and Reading next if we lose both those games I think the fans will want Mick out but I can't see the club getting rid of him Thank you, Tom. Yeah, don't worry, Blackburn fans. We'll give your boys some praise in a sec. But, Justin, let's talk Mick McCarthy because he's under a lot of pressure at Cardiff at the moment. And performances like this won't help things, will they? Yeah, it's been a bit of a downward spiral for for a few weeks now. I think even at the start of the season, they were, they were still conceding goals, weren't quite tight enough at the back, and, and chance creation slowly started to dwindle. Um, but, yeah, yeah, the pressure is on Mick McCarthy. And um, I, I, liked, I like to think that he does have a, a bit more time, um, mainly because this Cardiff team is, is missing 
creativity. It's missing a spark. Uh, the likes of Dolan, for, for example. Do they have a Dolan? Do they have a, a Ben Brereton? Do they have a, a John Buckley? Um, obviously, they, they, they tore Cardiff apart, but Cardiff don't have any of those types of players, which is, I think, a massive issue for, for Mick McCarthy and, and Cardiff going forwards. Yeah, it's all about the final third, isn't it? And that's something that we were concerned about at the start of the season. And now it's really coming home to roost, isn't it? Because that's basically why Cardiff now are just... They're just so flat. So yeah. flat. And when they're conceding goals as well, because they were looking solid at the start of the season, weren't they? But now they're not. Um, and you'd expect better from a Mick McCarthy side. I recall in his you know spells at other clubs, he, he has times like this where it's not really working. Um, and it does usually come back around in the end. So that's one reason why maybe he should hang on to his job. At the same time, how long can Cardiff keep playing as badly as this? Because mm-hmm. if they do keep playing this badly, then you can forget about top six, which is ultimately the aim for them this season, isn't it? Uh, but let's talk about Blackburn, Justin, because they really were different class here, weren't they? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Just Ben Brereton, Diaz, Tyrese Dolan, Sam Gallagher are a better front three in Europe right now. Struggle to, uh, I struggle Messi, to answer that. Neymar, Mbappe, forget Who? about it. Who? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you know a South American, a lad from Southampton, and, and Tyrese Dolan who came from Preston. It's it's just absolutely magical stuff, um, and it, it really showed in this game here. I think Brem, uh, I keep saying Ben Brereton, Brereton Diaz uh, running down the wing at BBD. one point. BBD, it's easier, isn't it? BBD running down the wing at one point. He had three players around him. He outpaces them all and gets the ball across. Um, it, they're just a magnificent side to watch going forwards. And it feels like Blackburn are accidentally having a promotion push. <laughs> accidentally. Um, why Why accidentally? Because I remember, I mean, going back to the start of the season, speaking to Blackburn fans, no one was optimistic of a promotion push. Uh, a promotion push. You know, we were talking about 18th place, and I think we 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 were even sort of talking around that spot as well. And it, they're looking really, really good defensively. They're looking good going forwards. Are looking good, and things are starting to sort of even out. Like last season, they were too inconsistent in spells. Um, they would look good, really, really good going forwards, weren't taking chances. But it all, as I say, is evening out now. So it's yeah, an accidental promotion push. Okay, I, I take what you're saying with a pinch of salt. Uh, but this really was a great all-round team performance. Yeah. Ben Brereton Diaz, as you say, it's phenomenal how different a player he looks to the one from last season. Because last season he, he had good spells, wasn't he? He had streaky patches, really, didn't he? Where yeah. he was looking good. But now because he's so full of confidence, and you can just tell he's full of confidence, he's he, when defenders come up against him, they don't know what to do because he's a big lad, isn't he? he he's got the yeah. you know stature to be a Premier League player and he's showing now that when he's confident he's got the technical ability as well to match it and it's just frightening when he's coming up against other defences he's top scorer in the league now I don't see him stopping scoring because Blackburn need someone to replace obviously the goals that Adam Armstrong gave him last season and Brereton Diaz has done it seamlessly and long may it continue the Chilean sensation just tearing up the league I love it Uh, but you are quite right Blackburn have creeped up to sixth very under the radar really they've only lost once all season actually and that was to West Brom so the big problem last season was sustaining the form um, because their key players all dropped off at the same time really didn't they but if that changes this season then who knows what they can accomplish one question that Mark that I have is about the depth in the squad because they do look a bit thin and if they do have a few injuries they could be in a bit of trouble but 
while they're playing well, let's celebrate them as they uh, rightly deserve it. Uh, Coventry City, they're now up to third after they beat Peterborough 3-0. Guess who got on the score sheet again? Yeah, that's right. Victor Jokeres getting two here. Joining us now is Jerry Crone from the Coventry podcast, Neil Lamptey. Jerry, the Sky Blues looking great, aren't they? Firstly, I've got absolutely no idea why you're coming to me for any kind of um, opinion or whatever, because the big three predictions that I made coming into this season would be that Cov would get relegated, Ben Sheaf shouldn't have been signed after his loan spell last season, and a million quid is probably a bit more to spend on, was a bit too much to spend on on Victor Jokeres, and just, I mean, look at the state of those predictions now. It's abysmal. Um, Friday was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Total control. Scored the goals that we needed to score. Never looked like conceding. Absolutely class. Oh, don't worry, mate. You're not the only one who made a shoddy prediction about Coventry at the start of the season. Um yeah, you mentioned Vic- Victor Jokeres. He's just been class, hasn't he? And we talk about him a lot. So let's talk about someone else. Who else has been central to their success so far this season? Yeah, there's another really important player to talk about in terms of why we thought we'd do rubbish this season and why we've actually done brilliant. And that's Jamie Allen. So Jamie Allen was signed the season that we got promoted from League One and he probably played about 20 games because he struggled with injury. And when he played, he looked good, but not anything terribly more than that. And he was really uh, emblematic in our first season back in the Championship of the type of player who had struggled to make the leap up. And then the expectation was that he would be sold in the summer, but he wasn't. And so you just thought that he would be a backup player. And instead, he's become this absolutely pivotal, brilliant, brilliant attacking force this season. Bonkers. Could have never have predicted it, but has been such a class player for us this season. Absolutely, absolutely amazing. The other one, obviously, is Gus Hammer, who I've talked about to you till I'm blue in the face. Just And again, this season has just stepped up again so magnificently. Yeah, and Jerry, Coventry third. I repeat, third in the championship at the moment. It's crazy. Um, what do you think the chances are? of the Sky Blues staying in those top six places this season? You're not tempting me on that one. We've had the greatest success we've had with me predicting that we're going to get relegated. So let's double down. Points deduction, expulsion from the league, relegation, all still high on my Cov prediction list. More seriously, I think it's probably going to be parallels between us and what Reading did last season. So I think this is a good start. You wonder if Jokeres gets injured at some point, we'll have no way of replacing what he's doing for us at the moment. So I think a mid-table finish is on the cards, but that would still represent tremendous progress and a fantastic season for us overall. The question then is, do we keep Jokeres? Do we keep Harmer? And if we don't, how do we replace them? But let's worry about that later. Thank you, Joey. Uh, Justin, Joey is staying grounded and saying Coventry will finish mid-table this season. What are you saying? Are you a bit more upbeat about the Sky Blues? Um, I think I am a little bit more upbeat. I think they can finish top half, 
top six challenge potentially and that's mainly because of the the balance they've got in their play obviously going forwards they're they're they're, they're good um but defensively they're so organized they're so efficient they they reduce teams to barely anything um and that's that's why i think they can they can definitely have a top six um challenge this season i don't think it'll be easy for them mainly because of squad depth but when you've got the likes of Victor Jokerez, Martin Waghorn, Callum O'Hare, that front three, I think I, I praised them last week. Um, I can do it the same this week, but you know, going backwards in the team, Jamie Allen's come in as a squad player. Liam Kelly's injured at the moment. Gus Hamer was superb in this game. There are players peaking at different times, which is what you need um, when you're trying to sustain a playoff push. And that's why I'm a little bit more optimistic. Yeah, I, I tell you, what, I I can understand why commentary fans are you know staying grounded for now. <laughs> The thing is, they are getting the results, but they're also playing really, really well as well. They're creating chances, shed loads of chances at the you know right end of the pitch, and then they're not conceding many chances either. So I, I, even though commentary fans are staying grounded, and I don't blame them for that, I do think they can honestly be a top six side this season. I know uh, we predicted them to finish in the bottom three at the start of the season. They proved us completely wrong. Mark Robbins doing a sterling job. I didn't think they strengthened enough in the summer, but it just turns out they already had all the players there to, uh, yeah. you know, be a top half to- a top half team at the very least. And now they're absolutely flying. I'm loving watching them play. They're very entertaining to play uh, to watch as well. So yeah, keep it going. The uh, Sky Blues. But let's let's be fair. Peterborough were really shocking, Justin, weren't they? They were really really bad here well they had a, a really bad seven minute spell where they conceded both the goals in the second half um, but it's how the goals came about um, Coventry we mentioned they're very good at winning the ball back in midfield they're very quick at breaking Peterborough didn't have an answer to it they lost the ball a couple of times and the goals came from that um, and that's not to say they're mistakes from individuals but you know Coventry are very good at that but Peterborough needs to be a little bit street smart um, to, to be really blunt um, I think Darren McAnthony said that if they cut out individual errors they'll pick up more points I don't think it's that simple for this Peterborough side because they do look really poor this was a game where there was a chance to, to really show what they're about um, and they they didn't they looked a league one side yeah well we thought they'd be bad at the back this season but good going forwards ignoring that Birmingham game from last week which just appears to be a freak result, they are just bad at the back and bad going forwards as well. So in the last three games, the combined score has been 12-3 to the other teams. They're, they're just looking bang average, really, aren't they? And look, some of the players they've got are talented players. So I, I do honestly think it is just down to Darren Ferguson, who, let's be honest, has a bang average record at championship level, doesn't he? And it's not, it doesn't look like it's going to change this season, does it? You know, Johnson Clark Harris scored, you know, 30 goals last season. George Grant is a good player. You've got Syracuse Dembele, who's being chased by loads of championship clubs, top level championship clubs. And they're just looking average, aren't they? Yeah, no, you're quite right. I think, um, I think saying bang average is actually a little bit of a compliment because bang average would, you'd say, around mid table or below mid table, but they don't even look like that at the moment. And, um, I, I was the one. I was one of the ones that would said Peterborough. I think could finish around mid table. Um, again, like Coventry, we, were, we were, I was wrong. We were wrong. Um, you were wrong, and yeah, I was wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
but as you say, it comes down to the management. I thought the recruitment was pretty good in the summer. Um, they, they brought in some good players. As you say, Jack Marriott, I think it was a good signing. George Grant obviously came in as well. Um, but they just lack, a little bit like Hull, they lack leadership, they lack championship experience, and it's showing badly. Badly. Reading have now won three in three. They beat Middlesbrough 1-0 thanks to a bit of a lucky goal from Alan Hilelovic. Uh, but Neil Warnock is another man who's under pressure in the championship with just one win from seven. Johnny Bullock is from the Borough Breakdown podcast. Johnny, what did you think of the game? <laughs> uh, it was... Um, oh, man, the, the game yesterday was shambles, wasn't it? Um, not creating chances, you know, no shot on target. I think Joel Lumley came closest and he's our goalkeeper. Um, look, it's just it's just not fun for Borough at all at the moment. We're not creating chances. Defensively, we're really poor. And look, the, the tide's turning, mate. The, the tide's turning. It could be a Warnock out very, very soon for sure. Well, you say that. I saw your tweet after the game, Johnny, where you said you're now officially Warnock out. How many other Borough fans are hashtag Warnock out? I don't know, yeah. I think you you were pretty shocked by that one, weren't you? So, look, I, I'm, I'm officially Warnock out. I think 11 wins in 30 three or 34 games now in a, in a calendar year. Um, we're not creating chances. Defensively, really poor. The squad that we've got, you know, it, I think it can definitely flirt with the playoffs. I don't think it'll probably get there, but, you know, we're just not performing very well at all. And I think the fans are starting to turn. You know, if you look at Warnock out probably on, on Twitter now, you can start to see there, there is quite a chunk of Borough fans that are just are just sick, really. And, and the one change... I think with with Kieran Scott coming in now as head of, of head of football and the club looking for a long term vision, it seems pretty pointless really if we're going to get rid of Warnock at the end of the season. So I think there's a lot of fans like that now saying why are we holding on with Warnock when we should change it. Um, but if you had to give me a percentage, I'd probably I, I would you know I'll probably definitely say about sixty percent now. I'd say sixty percent are probably Warnock out to be honest. Yeah. This might just be an outsider's point of view, but it seems like some of the signings that have been made are not very Neil Warnock signings. And there seems to be a bit of a disconnect between whoever's making the transfers and him. Do you know what I mean? Am I onto something here? Yeah, absolutely, mate. That's absolutely spot on. Look, Neil Warnock, uh, he's very much a short-term fix as part of a long-term plan. Um, or he's like that tape that's over a burst pipe, you know, like he's, you're going to have to replace the pipe eventually, but that's just going to hold it steady for however long it can be. Um, but with with this business that we've done in the summer, you could clearly tell that Middlesbrough were looking to build for the future. Bringing in Kieran Scott as well, best bit of business we've probably done. He's already came in and said, like, look, this club needs to improve and get up to the 21st century because it's clearly operating in the 90s. Um, so, look, yeah, you can really see that. I think with, with Neil Warnock, now it doesn't really make so much sense for him to be here. There is clearly a disconnect. You know, there is players that he can't get the best out of. And this squad that he currently has just isn't suited for what he wants to achieve. And I think that's why we're not seeing results. Thank you, Johnny. Uh, as he was just saying then, Justin, Borough, very poor, weren't they? The closest they came was the goalkeeper's header right at the end. But it's... They just look dire, really, don't they? They do, and um, it's it's quite a, a staggering drop, isn't it, for for any Warnock side? Really, um, I didn't expect them to to drop so quickly. Um, they they had a poor end to the last season. Um, I again, whatever the uh, the issues are, it's obviously filtered into this season. And again, they had a good summer recruitment wise. They brought in some very good players. Um, they need time to gel in, but even the players that they had there, still there, um, don't look anywhere near as good uh, as they did last season. In this game, Borough very blunt. Borough have looked very blunt. 
um, in in more than one game this season. It's it's not good for for you know, Warnock or Borough. Mm. Are you Warnock out then? I'll never be Warnock out, but I am I am pro development, and I think for this Borough side to reach its potential, Neil Warnock has to move on. That's a very diplomatic way of saying it. That's a very diplomatic way of saying it. But you were saying the other week, weren't you? If they're going to do this long-term project where they do end up back in the Premier League, it seems like they need another man in charge, don't they? Because Warnock's just going to be here till the end of the season. He's not going to be here next season, is he? I think that's pretty obvious. So why not start that project now? It it doesn't really make sense to me. They're not going to go down this season, are they? That's just completely out of the question. So you may as well take a gamble, might you? And if it does work out, you might get in the top six. Uh, just going back to the game quickly, Matt Crooks was sent off in the dying moments. Do you, do you think it was a red card? Um, from the camera angle, it did look like he dived in. Uh, he may have left the floor, which may have swayed the ref's mind. Uh, I think he had all rights to go for it, go for the ball, hit the loose ball. But um, keepers, keepers have to put themselves in that position, and they will do because they get to use their hands. But I don't think it was a red card as such, but I kind of understand why the ref gave it. I'm in the same boat as you. I, I can understand why the referee was given why he's gave it. On Twitter, there was a big hoo-ha, basically, people saying that was never a red card in a million years. I think once you see a few replays of it, it doesn't look like a red card. But in real time, I can understand why the referee has given it. But nonetheless, uh, NCC Dakota asks, are centre-backs a thing of the past? Why play them when you can play a centre-mid and a right-back there instead? Yeah, Andy Yeardum and Josh Laurent playing at centre-half and... Ironically, Reading got their first clean sheet of the season, so well done to them. But yeah, Reading, they were looking awful at the start of the season, weren't they? But now, three wins in three, up to ninth. Sure, points deduction is pending, but if they carry on like this, then they won't have to worry about relegation or anything like that, will they? I think that there's enough in the side for them to not have to worry about relegation at all. I think defensively, I know there's a bit of an injury crisis at the moment. I mean, I wanted to play uh, praise Josh Lawrence last week because he played centre-half last week as well. Um, but obviously, didn't have time to, to, to get onto that. But it's worth putting out there that he's he's done a very good job at, at, uh, at centre-back. And obviously, Andy Yeardham coming in, again, is a, is a, is a another big step forward for, for Reading and kept the first clean sheet as you say um, but I wouldn't be worried from from Reading's perspective I think we've been quite confident that they've got the players um, but they, you know, defensively they were looking poor arguably they've got better now their defenders aren't in the team which is strange um, yeah. but there's there's enough in this side for them to I think even finish mid-table with a points deduction I'd, I'd be quite confident in that yeah one for the people keeping score at home. Another assist for John Swift. Remarkable. <laughs> On Friday night, West Brom came from a goal down to beat QPR 2-1. Great game. Littered with goalkeeping clangers. No idea what Sam Johnston is doing for that first goal. Completely left in no man's land. Absolute calamity. And then a clanger by Senny Dieng. Not really sure how he's managed to let mm. that go in. Because he saved it. And the ball wasn't going in after that save. And then he's just punched it into the goal it was very odd but I thought West Brom were actually rather poor for 75 minutes of this game but then just came to life after that Dieng mistake would you agree? Uh, yes and no I still think they created chances I think Ishmael pointed out that he wanted his side to be a little bit more just play on the deck um, and I think that helped them massively you saw with 
It might have been the second goal, I think, where the ball gets played into Hugo. Hugo drops it behind with, his, with the back of his heel uh, and Robinson slots it back to, to Colin Grant who puts it in the back of the net. That was a very well-worked goal. Um, and if they if they do that more often, they will open teams up. I think they can be a little bit more predictable if they play too direct too often, which is why we've said that I don't, I don't think they necessarily need a plan B. They just need to vary plan A a little bit more. Um so I, I wouldn't say they were poor for 75 minutes. They still created chances. But when you go behind in the first minute, it's always going to be a little bit difficult to try and get back into the game because naturally uh, the opposition is going to sit back. One point from QPR's last four games. Strangely can lost 2-1 in their last three games, which is a weird quirk. Mm. But nonetheless, they've conceded two or more in all those four games that I just mentioned. And I feel like what's letting them down recently is mistakes at the back, which... Mm is strange because they were looking so solid at the start of the season. Your device has been incredible. Uh, Rob Dickey has been fantastic, as we all know. And Joran Barbe is one of the more consistent defenders in the division. But recently, they have been letting themselves down. Would you agree? It's not just defenders as well. It's just it's shape out uh, without the ball. And um, I think Warburton highlighted, like you have, that individual areas are costing them. Um, I mean, the the if Dien keeps that shot out, for example, do QPR go on to win the game? Um, because tails go up uh, for, for, from a West Brom perspective, and then obviously they go on to win the game. Um, I think they need to have a little bit more control in possession. I think that will help them massively because you know you come up against a West Brom side, for example, who create a lot. You need a bit more composure in the middle, and that that, that will help, especially if you take a lead so early. Well, they're tenth now, tenth. Mm. They're behind Reading. <laughs> Imagine saying that two or three weeks ago. It's remarkable. Uh, anyway, let's have a break, Justin. After that, we'll talk about Bournemouth, who are still top of the championship, and then an entertaining game at Ashton Gate. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. Bournemouth are still top of the championship after beating Luton 2-1. A, a very weird game, this one. First off, Bournemouth were great. And then second off, it was like watching Attack for Your Defence with Luton peppering the Bournemouth goal. I'm not sure how Elijah Adebayo hasn't scored in this game. He missed one sitter and then had a host of other chances. Uh, but it wasn't the cleanest of wins by any means for Scott Parker's side, was it? But it's two points. Uh, it's three points, sorry, and two points top of the championship still. Yeah, it's been a, a hugely positive start. I think we were surprised last week when we found out that Bournemouth were, were top of the table. Uh, when we both said it, we were just, yeah, uh, quite surprised. They'd just gone up there quietly and it's performances like this that, that have gone under the radar, obviously. I think Luton were quite unlucky not to um, not to get something out of the game, but you know, credit to Bournemouth um, showing a lot of character. There was, there was times last season where they didn't have any character at all, but when you've got players like Ben Pearson and Jefferson Lerma, these, these are good good solid players and you've got experience like Gary Cahill as well um, and then going forward you've got Ryan Christie who we've not mentioned actually yet obviously coming in from Celtic I think it was quite a good signing quite an impressive signing and he showed what he's what he's about in this game with his with his assist yeah that assist oh, the first one uh, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, Phil Billing, good finish as well. But Ryan Christie, that is one hell of a pass. Uh, Luton are a funny old side because they haven't won in six now, but are playing quite well. Really well, actually. I can't quite work out how they're not winning more games because 
if it continues like this, then I've got no concerns at all because it, they, they are really playing well, just not getting the results on the board. And I think that will come good eventually. And if they sustain the performances that they've been doing in the last six games, then I still think, I know how, how we're predicting them to finish, you know, top six this season or at least around there, then I, I think they could still achieve it. All they've got to do is just start finding the bloody back of the net. Um, and then it's easier said than done, of course, but they'll, they'll be absolutely flying because they are playing really well. It's very strange. Uh, a Casey Palmer equaliser. Saw Bristol City and Fulham draw one all. Now, you'd be forgiven for thinking Fulham probably dominated this game and Bristol City hung on for the point. No, that wasn't really the case. Bristol City gave as good as they got and both teams will feel like they could have got all three here, Justin. Yeah, it was, it was definitely one of those games. Obviously, Fulham created a lot of chances, but Bristol City, uh, I guess a bit out of, out of character for them, also created a lot of chances in this game. And I think we said in our preview episode that Bristol City have got a lot of players who can who can hurt Fulham, especially on the counter-attack, you know, the likes of Andy Wyman, um, uh, especially. So it's it's not too surprising that Bristol City had, had a good go of it. And I think, obviously, draw potentially a fair result. Cons- I mean, I mean, the... Palmer goal was debatably offside, um, but I think very Nigel offside. Pearson will. <laughs> yeah, very offside. Nigel Pearson will be quite happy with a point um, because it's something that that he can build on because they've looked arguably not not too bad uh, in the last few weeks. Well, Alexander Mitrovic could have scored about ten. He had nine <laughs> shots, which is an astronomical amount of shots. It really is. He hit the woodwork twice as well, uh, but just one win in four for Fulham. They're continuing to create chances, so I'm not too worried at the moment. But they have got to start taking them because they are obviously dropping points, goes without saying, doesn't it? Something to keep an eye on, though, is how open they are at the back because that has been creeping into their games recently. Looked very solid at the start of the season, but now looking a bit leaky. Uh, so, yeah, something to keep an eye on. Bristol City still looking for that elusive home win that's been avoiding them since January, but... This will feel like a win because it was a... Well, I think they would have taken a point before the game, wouldn't they? Sheffield United needed a 90th minute Billy Sharp penalty to beat 10-man Derby 1-0. Justin, what on earth is Curtis Davis doing for the penalty? I can't quite figure it out because his arm is in the air for ages. Absolutely (laughs) ages. And (laughs) during the entire period where the ball is in the air... I can't see what else he's trying to do apart from palm the ball away. Yeah, it's a strange one considering he's he's 36 and he's been there and done it at championship level at every level really actually. Um it is it is a massive surprise. It was like a uh, I don't know what it, I don't know what the the move is in basketball, but you know when you block a shot and you jump high and you palm it away, it was like that. I don't know whether it's just a block. Um, I don't know if there's a specific name for it, but he was essentially doing that. Um, yeah, he did that, which was yeah quite bizarre. And in the dying embers of the game, where Derby f- will feel like a point would have been fair, but maybe even three points. Um, yeah, very frustrating afternoon for for Wayne Rooney and Derby. Yeah, so odd. I don't know what Calvary's was doing for the sending off. Either. That was bizarre. Was, yeah, caught in no man's land. Very weird week for goalkeepers. They've they, they've gone from heroes to zeros, uh, zeros <laughs> to heroes, heroes to zeros. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. Sheffield United were very fortunate uh, that Curtis Davis lost his mind for just a couple <laughs> of seconds, uh, but ten points from twelve now for them. So looking very good. Uh, Derby fans were giving Billy Sharp a lot of stick. Uh, and after the game, he was stood in front of the crowd, giving them some back, which was very funny. And what's that about, Justin, being a Derby fan? Can you explain that for us? Um, I, 
I can't relate too much because I love Billy Sharp. Um, but I think Derby fans have always given Billy Sharp a bit of stick. Um, he always, I mean, he always scores against Derby. So that might be one of the reasons. But um, yeah, I, I, I wasn't at the game either, so I can't possibly comment. But he gave it as good as he got, which is which is fine, as long as Derby fans mm. are a bit more gracious in defeat or. Whatever. It's all good fun, isn't it, at the end of the day? <laughs> a Shane Lavery goal led to Blackpool beating Barnsley 1-0. Lavery scored and then while running off to celebrate, he fell arse over tit into the advertising hoardings, which I found very funny. Uh, but a solid three points for the Seasiders. Yeah, no, I, I thought Blackpool were, were really good here. They, they created plenty, plenty of chances in the game, which has been a nice a nice little trend for them over the last few weeks. Uh, I wanted to comment on the, the left-hand side for, for Blackpool. I think Luke Garbett and Kesh Anderson were, were brilliant down the left, and they have been for a, for a couple of games now. I think it was Anderson who played the, the back heel into Lavery. Yeah. Um, it looked like he broke both his legs to do that, which was absolutely <laughs> fantastic. But um, he's a he's a chance-creating machine, and obviously we know that Luke Garbett's left foot is a, is a one. So they're two really to, to, to keep an eye out from this season. They're, they're really good assets for Blackpool when they showed it in this game. Mm. Others on Twitter asks us, thoughts on the man with the impish smile on the Golden Mile, Sunil of Critchley? Uh, it's safe to say he's transformed us into a bang-average championship team, which I definitely take this season. I tell you what, he is doing a marvellous job, isn't he? When you compare, you know, how Peterborough and... Uh, who's the other team that got promoted? Uh, Hull. Hull, how they've been doing recently. <laughs> they have looked awful, quite frankly, in the first few games of the season. But now, Blackpool looking really, really good. And I know at the start of the season, I was saying they looked bang average. I don't think I was incorrect in saying that. And they did look like, you know, a side that was going to go straight back down. But now, they're looking really really solid uh, Shane Lavery class up top and then yeah just just the whole side is doing great and Neil Chrisley deserves a big round of applause at the moment they are looking yeah as others on Twitter was just saying like a bang average championship team and that's what you want you want you know just them to be consolidating their position in the league this season and long may it continue um BFC Massive on Twitter asks why hasn't Shop been sacked yet Justin <laughs> Yeah, well, maybe maybe the board uh, sympathise a little bit with with sort of the the exodus of talent that left in the summer. The likes of uh, Ishmael obviously left. Daryl DK was a was a big part in their good form uh, after after January as well. Alex Mao is a talisman for for West Brom, which goes to show how much how much of an important player was for Barnsley as well. So. Yeah, maybe the border sympathised a little bit with him. I sympathise a little bit with him in that sense as well. They've got a lot of new signings that need to bed in. Um, they've had visa issues. They've got injuries, um, but performances at the moment aren't good enough, uh, and that needs to be addressed very quickly because Barnsley again sucked into a relegation battle at a key point in the season where being you know having points on the board is a, is a very important thing to have. But then again, they don't get going until October time anyway, so. <laughs> Well, it is interesting with Sharp. I'm not saying he should be sad because he's yeah, eight games into the season. Let's not get carried away. But they have looked really bad. Really, really bad. And this performance against Blackpool, they were slightly better than they have been, but still losing to you know a Blackpool team who's just come up from League One. And if things continue, then they, they won't just be in a relegation battle. I, I could see them being in the bottom three because they have been really, really bad. So bad. They're quite fortunate, really, that you know, one relegation spot has already been taken up by Derby, really. Um, and there could be other teams who have points deductions on the horizon. But mm. 
they if it was a normal championship season then I'd be you know whacking money on Barnsley to go down because they've been so poor and considering you know you've still got the big foundations of that team as in the playoffs last season yeah it is weird how they have been so bad. But yeah, Shopper's really got his work cut out. Uh, an early goal from Joel Pirro saw Swansea beat Huddersfield 1-0. My main takeaway from this game, Justin, was how terrible Huddersfield were. Which was shocking, really, because they haven't been too bad this season. No, they well, you say not too bad. I think they've been pretty good by the first yeah, two games yeah, of the season. They've, they've, been, they've been really good. Um, and it's not until like the last two games, obviously Forest last weekend as well, where they've looked really, really poor. I even saw a couple of fans um, say they want Corbyn out, which I think is a bit hasty. Um, I even saw a poll as well. Um, which yeah, it's, Are you saying it, football it's fans just, are fickle, Justin? I, I might be. I wouldn't want to uh, <laughs> uh, offend anyone, though. Um, but yeah, they, they did look really poor. It was a game of few chances anyway in this one, but um, Swansea definitely looked the better side and it showed throughout. Yeah, well, it's Swansea's second win of the season, so they'll be very happy with her finally getting another three points on the board. And finally, Birmingham nil, Preston nil. There's always one board draw, isn't there? Always seems to involve <laughs> Preston. Maybe I might just be imagining that, though. Uh, Justin, shall we do Who Knows Wins? Ooh, go on then. Yeah, well, this is the app where you chuck in a few quid to enter a league and whoever correctly predicts the most results wins the jackpot in our Championship League this weekend. The win pot was just over £1,200 and it was won by three people this week. Casey Eaton-Dixon, Schlatt Beach Boy 37 and... Hang on a second. This can't be right. Justin Peach? What? What on earth has happened there? Championship expert, ladies and gents. Championship <laughs> expert. <laughs> no, I mean, well done to you. Yeah, um, I'm surprised. You got eight, eight correct results, which is uh, very impressive. Uh, what are you going to spend the money on, Justin? Um, kitchen tiles. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You're so my life, boring. My life, no, my life's so really boring, boring at the minute. It's my life's really boring. We just bought a house, so everything's going into the house. I might get a PS5 if I can get my hands on. Maybe, maybe two tanks of petrol. I, I was going to say, why don't you go panic buy some <laughs> petrol? <laughs> it's a good investment, what can I say? Uh, yeah, so eight correct results was what Justin and the other two did. That's all you've got to do. Cost just a wee bit to enter the league, and then you can end up with a big old prize at the end. So make sure you download the app now, join our league, and you can enter the code SECOND to join. Let's give our predictions, Justin, for next weekend's 3 o'clock games. Of course, we've got midweek games, but it's every Saturday at 3pm. Uh, so first off is Barnsley Millwall. Oh, draw. <laughs> yep, <laughs> no question. Birmingham Forest. Oh, Birmingham City. Yeah, but Birmingham go for a bit of a tricky patch, but I'll go for Blues. Blackpool, Blackburn. That was hard to say. Mm. Uh, oh, I'll edge towards Blackburn. I'll go for a draw. Bournemouth, Sheffield United. Ooh, that's going to be a good game. Uh, yeah. Sheffield United. Sheffield United. I'll go for Bournemouth, Cardiff, Reading. Reading. I'll go draw Derby, Swansea. Draw. I fancy Derby, you know. Hull, Borough. I fancy Hull. Can both teams lose? Is that an option? <laughs> um, I'll go. Uh, I'll go for games this week. Yeah, Luton, Huddersfield. Luton. I'll go Luton. Peterborough, Bristol City. Bristol City. I'll go Bristol City. And finally, QPR Preston. 
Preston. Preston. I'll go draw. So that's Who Knows Wins. Download the app now. Get involved. And uh, yeah, you could win some big prizes. As always, please gamble responsibly. And when the fun stops, stop. Now it's time for this. Yes, it's time for the news. And the Telegraph is reporting Derby. Well, where else are we going to start? The Telegraph is reporting Derby are set for an additional nine-point deduction because of their rivalry with the EFL. Any Derby fans who had slim hopes of staying up just in that nine-point deduction, that's gone, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, it's, it's frustrating, really. Uh, I mean, it, it's coming. In. And, and rightly so, I know last week I said that teams should get help rather than have points deducted. I still stand by that, but Derby broke the rules. Um, so, yeah, it, it makes sense to be deducted points. Depends how bad the, the losses were. Uh, I think nine minus nine might be a bit harsh, depending on what the reported losses are. Um, but that, that will come out soon. Um, yeah, frustrating, really, but inevitable and hopefully yeah put draws lying in it a line in it it needs to happen derby's administrators say the club has a 95 percent chance of survival the business advisory firm quantuma says they've already received interest in the club from six parties although they confirmed the club is in tens of million pounds of debt and they haven't got enough cash to last three months so in the process of looking for short-term funding i think they, they did a press conference, didn't they, in midweek? Yeah. And overall, as a Derby fan, I imagine you're coming out quite positive from it. Weirdly so, yeah. Normally, these aren't very nice. I remember seeing the Portsmouth one all those years ago, and it was horrifying. Um, and, yeah, compared, compare it to this one, even Wigan last a last, uh, couple of years ago, this one, yeah, quite positive, which is, which is good for Derby fans. Uh, as I say, relegation is a bit of a cert, so... The least we want, or the most we want, really, is just a football club to support come the end of the season. So hopefully, everything gets sorted. And um, yeah, weirdly, weirdly, a positive uh, press conference. Meanwhile, Wayne Rooney has finally called out Mel Morris. He said the owner has been disrespectful after not telling Rooney about administration. Of course, he found out about it through Sky Sports News. And then Rooney has also not spoken to him since August the ninth. And he had to use the club doctor's phone to get in contact with Morris at some point. Um, I, I think we've spoken about Mel Morris plenty of times, Justin. It's just typical of the man, isn't it, at this point? He's not coming out in a great light at all. EFL boss Rick Parry is calling on the government to give the Football League a quarter of its revenue to bridge the financial gap between the Championship and Premier League. In an interview with The Telegraph, he also said he wants parachute payments to be scrapped. I think there definitely needs to be something that has to be done, doesn't there, to bridge the financial gap between the Championship and Premier League. Because at the moment, Fulham, West Brom, still looking, you know, very likely to go back up. Uh, Bournemouth only just came down from the Premier League not too long ago. They look like they've got a good chance of going uh, straight back up. And meanwhile, in Premier League land, you got Norwich, who look inevitably going to be in the Championship again next season, but mm-hmm. will probably go back straight back up again in a year's time. So. Something needs to be done, doesn't it, Justin? Uh, absolutely. Parachute payments. I think everyone knows our stance on parachute payments. Um, they need to be scrapped or at least modified. Um, so it is a little bit more of an even field um, coming down to the championship. I think another point that Rick Parry made was making wages 60% uh, of the uh, annual turnover, which will protect the long-term futures of clubs because you look at Reading who are spending 198% of their turnover on wages um, that was that was an interesting point it's just getting that through to EFL uh, sorry to um, yeah EFL chairman because those, they, they vote they vote for the rules essentially and that's where everything gets stuck 
I'm not sure his proposals are actually going to be approved because the Premier League, we all know what they're like with their money and what have you. I, I don't think they'll uh, want that to be the case. But if they're going all the way to government, then it might have to be the thing, won't it? But something needs to be done because, as we've seen with Derby recently and uh, Reading, a series of other clubs, they're struggling financially and desperately need extra cash from somewhere uh, but also it needs to be spent sensibly at the same time uh, I don't want to spend too much time on this next point Justin Pep Guardiola has reignited the debate over B teams after the Carabao Cup game in midweek he said of his young players they should play every day in the Championship or League One that should be the best level for English football that would be the best uh, quick words Justin go for it <laughs> Pep's a massive uh, I swear <laughs> <laughs> That's really all I need to say. He's so out of touch with um, the, uh, the the English football pyramid. Um, if he wants his players to play in the Championship and League One and what have you, loan them out. Don't charge excessive fees for 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 them. That's it. Don't stop being a knob. Get on with it. <laughs> it's it's just so typical, isn't it? Where you've got you know the big wigs at the top of the Premier League yeah. who are saying, right, this is how you lot should do it. Um, get out of here we don't need your B teams in the championship it's it'll be a terrible idea it would just imagine playing you know Manchester City B in the championship it'd be soulless, soulless. yeah soulless. awful terrible idea uh, Luton have signed Wales under 21 midfielder Elliot Thorpe following his departure from Spurs Justin you'll be excited to know the FIFA 22 ratings have been revealed the highest rated players in the championship are both goalkeepers Paolo Gazaniga and Sam Johnston the highest rated outfield players are Jack O'Connell Sander Berger and David Brooks um I don't think whoever does the FIFA 22 ratings watches the championship is all I'm going to say on that point. Uh, and finally, a 13-year-old Fulham fan who was abused online because of his disability has been made an honorary member of the club's first-team squad. Reese Porter, who has cerebral palsy, posted videos of him making saves and is now sharing the number one goalkeeper shirt with Marek Rodak, which is a very nice story for... Mm -hmm you to get on with your week uh right justin shall we do some polls this is the part of the show where we give you three questions on twitter and we want to get your input on the what's going on in the championship so firstly parachute payments scrap them or keep them justin what are you saying uh well, we'll scrap them but i think it'd be easier to modify them but yeah scrap them get rid 63% said scrap them, 37% said keep them, which is a lot more even than I was expecting it to be. Where will Coventry finish this season? Top two, top six, top half, bottom half? Uh, top half. I think top half is most likely, and that is exactly what our listeners say as well. 71% said top half, 14% said bottom half, 14% said top six and some very optimistic commentary fans one percent said top two and finally which game was better in the mid-2000s fifa or pez no i mean football manager aside no game has rivaled pez in the mid-noughties let's be honest even the even the new fifas like there was they were just so so pez good was yeah excellent you could create your own club why isn't that a thing honestly yeah. it's like, go, go. just an obvious idea Going, you could create your own club. You could design shirts, everything. It, they were just, yeah. it was just truly magnificent. And even the songs were so random, they were brilliant. <laughs> Couldn't you play as dinosaurs as well? Was that <laughs> Di dinosaurs be... and penguins? That was Pez. Yes, the third Pez, I think. You could play as dinosaurs and penguins. Yeah, again, that, why is weird, weird feature. Yeah, 
EA Sports, pull your finger out, bring back dinosaurs and penguins. <laughs> That's what we all need. Uh, I haven't done the poll ever. 58% said FIFA, 42% said Pez. Right, now it's time for this. Hi, Simon Grayson Edge. So this is Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. Welcome back to the show, Ben Rowley from the Stoke podcast, the YYY Files, and Omar Renane from That Millwall podcast. So I'm going to ask the boys here to name eight of a certain subject, and all they've got to do is work together to name all eight. So for example, if I would say name eight of the last championship clubs to get point deductions, and Ben would say Derby, that's one down, and Omar would say Wigan, that's another down, but if Justin would say Weymouth, then he'd be out. So what you need to do, chaps, is give me all eight answers without all of you being eliminated. Benekafobi, he's doing all right at Millwall, isn't he? After a disastrous time at Stoke, he's also played for quite a few other clubs in his career. So ignoring Millwall and Stoke, can you name me the last eight clubs he's played for? Uh, ben, we'll start with you. Can you name me a club Benekafobi has played for that isn't Millwall or Stoke? I can. We, we bought him from Wolverhampton Wanderers. You absolutely did. He had three separate spells at Molyneux, although one of them lasted less than two weeks because there was that weird thing where they signed him permanently after a loan so they could make a £2 million profit by selling him to Stoke. It was very odd. Um, Omar, you can go next. Can you name me another Benekophobia club, please? He had a spell in Turkey last year at Traps on Sport on loan. He absolutely did. He scored five goals in 28 games over in Turkey. Justin, your turn. The obvious one is Arsenal, I think. I don't know if this is the obvious one, but it, yeah, Arsenal. Oh, no, it's not, is it? No, no, no. Can I go back? Nope. I have to take your first answer, <laughs> I'm afraid. He started oh, his career what? at Arsenal, but it wasn't one of his last eight clubs, unfortunately. Oh. So Justin is out straight away. So-called championship <laughs> expert. <laughs> uh, right. So there's two of you left and you have got six to go. So no no pressure, lads. Uh, ben, you'll go. Um, okay. I... I'm going to go for a slightly easier option. I'm sorry if Omar's going to have this. Bournemouth? Yep, he was at Bournemouth for a few seasons, actually. He was the only club he's played in the Premier League for, which I found quite surprising. Uh, Omar, your go. Was he not at Bristol City before he was in Turkey? He was. He had a fairly successful spell on loan at Bristol City before doing his ACL. Uh, Right, you're halfway through. Ben, your go. Mm, see, this is why I, I take a bit of a risk, I think, because otherwise it's not happening, is it? <laughs> if um, you want, actually, the ones you've got left are all clubs where he was on loan from Arsenal. Yeah. So you could just have a punt, really. So I'm going to go for MK Dons. He was. He was at MK Dons uh, for a season on loan, I believe. 22 games, scored 10 goals. Relatively successful. So you got three left. This is a bit tricky now. Uh, Omar, you're going. Can I not say Millwall again? Because he had a spell with us like four games in like 2012. No, no? okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'm going to go for a championship club of the time, the 2010 era. I'm going to say Reading. I don't know. Complete guess. That's actually correct. No. He played three games. <laughs> he played three games for Reading when he was 19. So there wow. you go. Just, just have a point. Um, because these are so tricky and you've got two left, uh, I'll give you a clue. Both these teams are in League One, if that helps at all, Ben. Two left, um, both of you are still in. Uh, now I've got to think of who's in League One. 
And you're going to hurry me in a minute, aren't you? So I'm stalling. Yep. Um, oh, bugger. I'm just going to say Ipswich. Nine. Unlucky. Oh. Um, that's not correct. Um, but Ben, you're out. So it's all down to Omar. You've got two left. Both clubs in League One. Just pick a team out the sky. Go for it. I would have said Charlton. That's what I would have gone for. But I don't think he did. That's wrong. Yeah. Um, <laughs> give a little bit of attention to it. See it. Make it a bit more interesting. But yeah, Charlton is incorrect. The clubs you were looking for were Sheffield Wednesday. He had half a season there at Hillsborough. And then the other one was Bolton, where he was there for a season before it was cut short because he wasn't very good. Uh, but unlucky chaps, that was actually quite a tricky one, in fairness to you. Um, he had a load of loan spells early on in his career. So you've lost to Simon Grayson and his hateful eight, but better luck next time. Uh, right. That just about wraps it up for us here on the second tier this week. Thank you for listening wherever you are in the world. We'll be back again on Thursday because we've got midweek games. So, uh, yeah, see you then. Ben Rowley from the Sexy Stoke podcast, the YYY Files. Thank you for your time today. Thank you for the Sexy Sexy podcast. Marvinane <laughs> <laughs> from that Millwall podcast. Thank you for your time today. My pleasure. Thank you. This has been the Sexy Second Tier podcast. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening.